Okay. I am now. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, Getty. Welcome. Good evening. I'm so sorry. I'm sick, so I thought I would um, stay at home behind my computer where everybody's safe. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Um, do we have a quorum? Yes. Looks like we do. Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> There's so many um, city cameras. I was losing track. Okay. Um, I like to call the meeting to order at six o'clock. Um, I will go ahead and, um, Get started, uh, Kalina, do you want to read the rules of the meeting? I do. Um, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson Barnett. Good evening, everyone. I just have a few housekeeping items for the Zoom meeting tonight. This meeting is being recorded and broadcasted on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting unless you are speaking. The chat function for the meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating in the meeting, please turn your video on. If you're having any trouble, you can send me a chat. Um, I do want to let you know the city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Chairperson Burnett. This is uh, Chairperson Barnett. Um, I The first agenda item is to approve our minutes from October 27th of 2022. Um, hopefully everyone has had an opportunity to review the minutes. Um, I'll just give uh, just a little time here for anyone to uh, review and uh, chime in if you have any edits to the minutes for October 27th. Does anyone have any comments or edits that they would like to add for the October 27th, 2022 minutes? Chair Seeing Barnett, none. Yes. Emerson, uh, I was just about to say I have none. Just to... <laughs> go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Emerson. Um, do I have a motion to approve the minutes from October 27th, 2022? This is Commissioner This is Emerson. Commissioner Lay. I second that motion. Okay, there we go. I have a motion by Commissioner Emerson and a second by Commissioner Lay. Is that correct? Did you get that, Kalina? Absolutely, that's um, it. Okay, all right. Um, I'm going to have to take a roll call since we're all on Zoom today. Uh, Commissioner Sheldon Sherman. I'm present. But I defer on the motion since I was not present at the meeting. Thank you, Commissioner Seiden. Uh, I would move to approve. Commissioner Emerson. 
Aye. Commissioner Lee? Aye. Commissioner DeCog? Aye. Uh, Commissioner Gill? Commissioner Gipp? Aye. Sorry, I had problems with my No, phone. that's okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're and welcome. Commission Commissioner Haswood. I will abstain since I was absent. Thank you. Uh, motion passes. Uh, moving on to our first agenda item. Um, or and on to our regular agenda, I'm sorry. Um, we have a presentation from Michelle Watley. Um, Michelle has uh, approached the Human Relations Commission about the Crown Act, and uh, she's going to give a presentation to us this evening. Um, Michelle, are you here and able to share your screen um, and give an introduction? Hello, can you guys hear me? Hi, everybody. My name is yeah. Michelle Watley. I am the founder of Shirley's Kitchen Cabinet. We're a nonpartisan nonprofit named for the one and only Shirley Chisholm. Um, I won't make an assumption that everybody knows who Shirley Chisholm is, but just to ensure that we're all on the same page, Shirley Chisholm is the first Black woman to run for Congress and win, and she's the first Black woman to run for president on a major party ticket. We work to amplify the voices and power of Black women so that they can be better advocates on behalf of the issues, issues like economic prosperity, health and vitality, education, eradication of violence, so they can be better advocates on those issues that matter to them and the families that they serve. I come before you today, um, first of all, with gratitude and thanks for the opportunity to present to you all uh, and to talk to you all about a bill that has been very important to us as an organization, to the communities that we serve, and that bill is called the Crown Act. The Crown Act, uh, creating a respectful and open world for natural hair, is a bill that seeks to clarify statutes already in place regarding anti-discrimination by adding to the definition of race, hairstyles and hair textures to ensure that racism by proxy or discrimination by proxy doesn't happen in public spaces, in workplace areas and employment, and depending on the governmental jurisdiction and education spaces. I think we've all seen the stories time and time again of students who are participating in competitive sports and having to have their hair cut on the mat because of rules against locks, braids, and twists. Um, you've probably seen the stories of children as young as five and six being suspended for, from school for wearing braids. You've heard the stories of young people being denied employment because they wear locks. And these stories have taken place right here in Kansas and Missouri. Um, what we're hoping to do with this bill by clarifying the definition of race is ensure that loopholes that may be leveraged by employers or other public institutions um, to discriminate against people because of uh, their decision to wear their natural hair, that those loopholes are closed. So that is essentially the essence of the bill. Uh, we also want to ensure that we expand opportunities for Black Kansans to enter the workforce and for employers and entrepreneurs to have a full access 
to the talent pool that we have here in Kansas and that they're not turning away good workers because of arbitrary rules around grooming, such as not being able to wear lax braids and twists. Uh, I think as of late, it has become a major health concern also. Um, the methods used by African-American men, women, and children to straighten their hair or adhere to these standards of grooming that are Eurocentric-based include using chemical relaxers. Chemical relaxers are a product that is very dangerous, um, if not applied correctly, and even when it is, you can experience health issues, including and in, in not limited to chemical burns, alpecia, and all kinds of other issues with using these products. Recent research has also uncovered that women who use, Black women who use relaxers at a regular interval of four months out of the year, experience increased risk with certain cancers, specifically certain types of breast cancers and uterine cancers, an increase of up to 80%. 80%, an 80% increase of risk of cancer all to straighten your hair so that you can meet some absurd standard about professionalism or not being able to wear your natural hair. So when you look at the consequences that Black women are facing and Black people are facing in trying to adhere to these standards and couple it with the economic impact that adhering to these standards creates. For instance, there's research that says that Black women spend nine times more on straightening their hair than any other group of consumers, that amount ends up being a billion dollars a year. A billion dollars a year is being spent just to keep your hair straight. And that doesn't include the tools or some of the major products to adhere to these, these grooming standards. So in short, what we're hoping to do is to work with local municipalities like we did in Kansas City, Missouri, to again, clarify anti-discrimination uh, language that is already on the books to ensure that it provides full coverage and protections, not only for African-Americans and Black people, but other communities of color who have the same experiences. When trying to wear their natural hair or wearing their hair in culturally reflective styles and being uh, punished, admonished, or suffering consequences for doing so. With that, I wanted to keep it brief to make sure that you know I don't take up too much of the committee's time, but I'm happy to answer any questions or provide any additional information that you all may see. This is Commissioner Barnett. Michelle, thank you so much for your presentation this evening. Um, I, I wanna open up and give space for comments, um, comments and questions, statements. Um, Commissioner Haswood. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I just want to thank Michelle uh, for coming to our meeting today. Um, it's very important that uh, we continue to support this type of uh, legislation at all levels of government. Um, and, you know, certainly a lot of discrimination still happens today, um, but there's also a lot of ignorance. Um, we got to, uh, me and Michelle got to work together a little bit at the state level um and we got to see that that ignorance and um to make sure that we pass this not only will help make our communities better um but to also um improve the well-being um of our black and brown brothers and sisters in our community so i just want to thank michelle for being here today um and giving uh, this presentation 
And, you know, even in the indigenous community, I always give the example how hair might to other folks not um, have much meaning, but in the indigenous community and in my tribe in Navajo, our hair is very sacred to us, very, um, it has meaning um, in Navajo way. Our hair shows our knowledge and um, that's why we keep it long and other tribes um, hair may only get cut uh, when a family member passes. So our hair is uh, has hold significant value um, and I will continue to support it. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. Thank you, Representative Haswood. Thank you so much, Commissioner Emerson. Hi, uh, I also like uh, <clears throat> Commissioner Haswood, I wanted to uh, say thank you uh, to Michelle for coming today as a black female that took the hair journey uh, with the B BC, the big cut um, two years ago. Um, <clears throat> I was definitely one of those uh, individuals that you um, were speaking about tonight. Um, when um, thinking about you know, here in Lawrence, uh, when just in order to have the average to be able to maintain you, by medium, you need to earn at least $67,000 um, to live in the community, um, uh, that additional tax, the black tax, uh, we call it, um, for black women, um, when we know that those individuals are, <clears throat> are, are, um, are typically the, the, the ones who are struggling the most. Um, so. One of the questions that I did have, Michelle, was um, can you tell us a little bit about what um, you did with your work with KCMO? Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Because um, I definitely see the, the, the importance of this. Um, uh, I think about what we have recently been doing with our Chapter 10 ordinance, uh, which we'll be talking a little bit about today. Um, so I'm just wanting to understand the request a little bit more. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Emerson. And so in our work with the city of Kansas City, Missouri, we actually brought the bill to a couple of legislators who we thought would be willing to be champions and carry the water, so to speak, on the bill. And so our initial first steps was to get their buy-in to ensure that we could, uh, for lack of a better term, whip the votes and that there would be enough votes on the city council to get that passed by um, leveraging their insight and advice and advisement. We then worked with the city's attorneys to uh, get a best get the best sense of where the language would need to be changed in city codes uh, and what that language would need to look like to ensure that it covers all of the protected spaces uh, that the Kansas City Missouri Anti-Discrimination Act um, covers and once we were able to so as an organization we worked directly with the attorney's office to make sure that that language was right we have a connection to the original architect of the Crown Act at the congressional level. And then so working with that professor and legal scholar, we made sure that the language um, was correct and that it was inserted in the right uh, part of the charter to ensure or, or codes to make sure that it would uh, reach its intended purpose. We then worked to organize a coalition of groups to support the bill once it had been, or the resolution or um, legislation once it had been introduced uh, in a committee, one of the city committees. And so we did the work around gathering testimonies, providing testimony, speaking to the bill. Um, we then worked, uh, once it reached the full city council to talk to uh, council members to make sure we answered any questions or uh, any issues that they might have had with the, with the uh, legislation. And long story short, it was passed 
as an organization, we also did a lot of the outside work in garnering attention with the press and writing the talking points, doing the research and some of the ancillary communications components. And so we were able, for instance, to hold a press conference about the introduction of the resolution or the legislation. We were also able to have a signing ceremony and generate press and awareness around that. At the time that we passed the bill, there was only one other municipality in the entire nation that had passed the bill. And so we made the city of Kansas City the second city in the nation to have the Crown Act. Um, those legislators who helped carry the water um, and who helped ensure that, that that bill passed unanimously with the city council have uh, offered to talk to any elected official or any other governmental entity that would be interested in learning more about the work that they did to get that passed. And so if I can connect uh, members of your committee with those uh, city council members so that you can ask more questions and have more insight, I'm happy to do so. Hopefully that answers your question, uh, Mrs. Emerson. Uh, thank you very much. It, it does. I have have more, but I'm going to yield to someone else while I be a mom for a second. So, thank you, um, Commissioner Emerson, Commissioner Seiden. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to say uh, th thank you, Ms. Watley, for your for your presentation. Uh, I think it's it's really important that uh, that municipalities look at. How do I put my hand up here? Hello. Go ahead, Commissioner Seiden. Thank you. So I, I would say, uh, Ms. Watley, thank you for your presentation. And, you know, I, I think it's important that municipalities and, and other governmental agencies look at, look, at, um, look at these type of issues. Uh, one thing I wanted to note is that this is something that um, some of the local law enforcement agencies have, have been looking at in, in order to be more uh, inclusive and to get more uh, diversity across their, their ranks. And I believe it was the the KU Public Safety Office, their their campus police department, that recently hired a, a candidate that had um, that had that had dreadlocks, which would have that would have been something that that previously was not permitted um, by their their manual, uh, and they thought that that was archaic. And so we're starting to see um, this this start to take effect um, in, in in the law enforcement arena. And I, I would encourage you to present this, this give the same presentation to different law enforcement agencies too, because um, we're seeing a lot more effort to to try and be more uh, inclusive in that arena as well. So, so thank you for for what you're doing and for what your for what your organization is doing. Thank you, Commissioner Seiden. I think you raise a good point. Um, there have been certain states that have passed similar bills and left carve outs for law enforcement. But my argument in, in talking with um, state officials here in Kansas and even in Missouri is that uh, there are that hair is often a cultural indicator, as Representative Haswood, um, you know, articulated, and and it's the same for the Black community. When I see uh, a police officer, male or female, wearing braids versus one that's maybe wearing a Caesar low cut, it has you know two totally different implications for how we might communicate or assumptions that come about um, simply by seeing the different hairstyles. Um, that an officer may have. And so we don't want to make it so that officers can't use every tool in their toolbox to connect and have points of relatability with their community. So we would be happy to explore opportunities to work with law enforcement to get similar um, um, policies either changed or advanced. This is Commissioner Barnett, Commissioner Decog. 
Thank you. Um, I wanted to thank you, Ms. Michelle, for coming and talking about this. It is so vital. Can you hear me now? No. Yes. yes. Sorry. It is so vitally important um, to address this and um, be accepted here in Kansas because, um, you know, as a black woman, it's I understand how important it is that, um, you know, we can wear our hair the way that we need to. Um, as black women. Um, and um, I'm thinking specifically, I was curious as to, you said Kansas City was the only other place that you went to with this bill. And I was curious about some of the other parts of Kansas, um, especially areas where you have lots of black students that come here to study and that, um, that come to um, the universities here. Um, and that participate in sport activity, um, because those are areas that should actually, this bill should actually be going next, apart from here um, in Lawrence. Because um, I'm thinking of the university where I work at, which is where would, it would be very important um, for this bill to be heard um, and discussion to be taking place would be in Franklin County, Kansas, where Ottawa University is. So, I'm just um, um, asking, you know, is there anywhere else that you've gone other than can than than here and Kansas City here in Kansas? Um, I would just want to know that. But I'm I I appreciate and I'm really happy that you actually brought this bill here for us to discuss and for us to pass because it's in, it's vitally important and necessary. Thank you so much, Commissioner. And you've asked a great question. Uh, you mentioned Ottawa um, University. That's where we saw an instance of uh, a Black uh, college student being kicked off the cheerleading squad, although she was the captain of the cheerleading squad and had led the team for quite some time, being kicked off because she insisted on wearing braids, which is a style that for most cheerleaders is a style that is a lot more easier to manage and allows her to protect her hair. And when you think about what happens in that situation, we now have a student who is excelling in our schools, leading and showing exemplary leadership, being forced to have to now find another school, lose whatever scholarship funding she's had. There's no telling of the time lapse or, you know, transfer of courses, whether she experienced any issues with that. She's now in school in Florida. So we've lost a great student here in our, in our in our state who could have been a contributing member, not only to our educational university system, but to the state overall. And so um, in doing the work to get this passed in Kansas City, that was in Kansas City, Missouri, and that was very early on once the bill had been introduced in a couple of other states, New York and California. At this point, there are over 40 municipalities who have passed Crown Act bills in over 20 states, with the most recent being Minnesota, and Nebraska, Alaska, Tennessee, New Mexico, Nevada, and other states have, have passed the Crown Act. To your question about education, I think, um, and let me back up. In Kansas, we have approached Wyandotte County, the Unified Government of Wyandotte County, um, Topeka, Hutchison, Wichita, and I'm blanking, and Lawrence. Those are the different municipalities. <laughs> 
that we have reached out to. And so we've worked to um, see if we can get the bill passed in different municipalities. And we're working at the state level now to ensure that um, the bill includes the education sector. We learned um, recently during testimony uh, with one of the uh, neutral uh, testimonies being from the Kansas Human Rights Commission, we learned that the bill as it is written does not cover educational institutions. And so we're working to, and because most in, in most states, education is governed by the state. Um, if we wanted to ensure that schools were, were covered, we would have to make sure that we either make amendments to the current bill that we have in the House or Senate to ensure that education is covered and or consider amending uh, other bills where it makes sense. So I say all of that to say, and my understanding may be may not be 100% accurate, but I will make sure to follow up to get you that information. But it's my understanding that if we want to ensure that education is covered, it would have to be done at the state level because local municipalities don't have jurisdiction over educational institutions. This is Commissioner Barnett. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, I do have a question. You brought up uh, the state bill. You have a House bill and a Senate bill. Is that correct? Pending in Kansas right now? Yes. Uh, we've actually had a House and Senate bill every year since 2020, but we've not been able to see much traction at the state level, which is why we um, shifted our strategy to work with local municipalities in the event that we are, again, unsuccessful in being able to get this passed at the state level. We want to ensure that there are at least protections in the municipalities where issues like this are more likely to occur and where there are significant communities of people of color, Black people, um, Indigenous uh, communities and the like. This is Commissioner Barnett, thank you. Um, that was really my question is, yes, we may have this state bill pending, but that doesn't mean we should sit around, in my opinion, as a uh, human relations commission, that we should sit around and wait and see what the state legislature does. Um, I think it's important uh, that we take action on this as from the city level. Um, similar to everything that we've done in Chapter 10 to protect other other classes of people um, and provide that protection that the state doesn't provide. Um, that's why this is important uh, from my perspective. Does anyone else have any other questions? Um, I, I have like additional follow-up procedure stuff, but yes. Yeah, no, that was exactly, uh, this is Commissioner Emerson, um, Chair uh, Barnett. I de definitely uh, appreciate you um, asking that question again. And you definitely um, answered a lot of my questions that I had right there. Um, one of the bills I was thinking about, you know, specifically is that 2276 House Bill to, um, uh, 2276, um, <clears throat> which uh, may uh, pose some and hopefully someone could talk a little bit more about that that knows a lot more about what's in that bill than I do um uh, that would impede our um what we can and cannot put in our um, discrimination policies or ordinances um and so um, my question is just like okay what is that ask the ask is continue to is the ask for us to um to continue well to 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 allow you know this language to be entered into our um, our ordinances here locally, and then we just go with the other on the back end. So I'm just trying to understand really what the ask is and um, what's our next steps. So that's it. Thanks. 
Uh, this is Commissioner Barnett. Um, so uh, I think, as I understand it, um, the question is what what are our next steps? Well, as I understand it, it would be um, to for the Human Relations Commission to consider adding the language that Michelle proposes um, to race as um, you know our definition of race. I don't actually know what our definition of race is. I should check that out. But we would add your proposed language to that definition in Chapter 10. So we would not be adding a new protected class. We would not be like like we just did with source of income, immigration status, and domestic violence survivor status. Um, but I think that um, that is that Michelle, does that accurately state what the ask is? Yes, that would be the ask that you all consider, um, whether it be through recommendation or resolution. Uh, <coughs> amend the definition of race in your um, chapter 10 statutes to include uh, characteristics such as hairstyles, including locks, braids, and twists. Um, it's my understanding that House Bill 2376, the section about essentially amending local discriminatory statutes have been removed um, from, from that Commissioner Barnett, that's correct. Okay. Okay, so I would imagine that would no longer be an obstacle um, uh, to, to moving this forward. Um, but again, I'm happy to do the research on that and work with folks to ensure that you all are running a vow or in contradiction to state statutes. But essentially, yes, that is the ask, Commissioner Emerson and uh, Chair Barnett, that that you seek to uh, amend the, the definition of race to include hairstyles hair uh, such as locks, braids, and twists. And hair textures. This is uh, Commissioner uh, Emerson. I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, there's a it, it's just fast moving this the, like most sessions, and so it's already changed again. <laughs> so um, that's good. Um, thank you. This is Commissioner Barnett. Do I have any other um, questions, comments? As I, as I see it, and if history would um, inform our motion, it would be to um, request that the city commission consider the language that Michelle proposes. Um, I, I, I don't know if this commission would like to see the language first um, before we recommend it out um do do i have any discussion on that this is uh commissioner emerson uh, i do think that it is um it would be uh, in best practice to, to make sure that we are at least reviewing it uh, i i could tell you i am ready to make a make a motion but i, I do think it's good practice to 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 see the language this is commissioner lay i agree with uh, the sentiments by Commissioner Emerson. I am very, very supportive. I love that this is being brought forward by Michelle. So thank you so much for bringing this in front of us today. Um, but would love to see that language and make sure we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's to make sure that that is exactly written the way that Michelle and what we'd like to see that in terms of the language itself. 
um, but very supportive of this work. Thank you. Um, what I will put in the chat is just a blurb of what the language is so you all can review it. And then I will follow up with the community, the committee, each of you as uh, individuals to make sure you see the language. And I will also attach the language used in Kansas City. This is essentially the same language. I think it's a matter of figuring out where in your statute, well, first making sure there's a definition of race and then amending that definition from there. And again, I'd be happy to work with your the city's legal department or whoever we need to work with to make sure um, that that's correct. And I imagine, um, Commissioner Emerson, that this chat does not suffice as doing your due diligence. So I will send an email, but I want you all to see what the language looks like. So you have it to reference for this discussion in the moment. This is uh, Commissioner Emerson. Um, I, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, one of the things I, I just I think about is just, you know, we meet, we have uh, moved our meeting structures to quarterly. So Chair Barnett, um, I, I'm just kind of curious about how we could not wait um, on, on this type of um, amendment. And as this Commissioner Barnett. Process. Oh, I'm super sorry. I thought you were done. <laughs> um, this is Commissioner Barnett. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Um, do remember that I can call a special meeting. Um, so chapter 10 subcommittee can review the language. Um, the language can be distributed to the entire um, commission, human relations commission for review in advance of a special meeting. Um, I can call a special meeting for a vote um, or review discussion and a vote. Um, and then the procedure would be to then advance that recommendation to the city commission. Obviously, it's up to the city commission as to whether or not they take up the issue. I know Michelle has presented to the city commission already. They're aware of this issue, and they are also aware that the Human Relations Commission is considering it. Um, and then um, we can see where the city commission takes it. Michelle, that's where you would do what you did in Kansas City and where you've done elsewhere across the country. I know you are everywhere um, with this. You are a subject matter expert. Um, we are so lucky to have you here this evening. And um, then you would work with the um, city attorney's office, city commission, if they decide to take it up and advance the issue. Um, so, and then the chapter 10 subcommittee would kind of sit back and do whatever we needed to do to help. We also have uh our public outreach committee and we have a cross-cutting committee. We have committees of the Human Relations Commission um, that do specialty work. So depending on um, how this advances and if it does, then um, there are specialized areas of these various uh, committees within our commission that can help um, so and work with your team. Uh, so, okay, I, I see an interest for everyone to um, at least see the language, see how it worked with chapter 10. Um, I am happy to uh, look over what Michelle sent. Uh, Commissioner Emerson and Commissioner Seiden are on the chapter 10 subcommittee with me. Uh, we can look at where this would be placed and then make a, re a recommendation and I'm happy to call a special meeting. Are there any other comments or questions? Um, does that procedure sound good to everyone? Um, if you object or don't, think that's a good idea, please speak now. This is uh, Commissioner Emerson. Um, uh, I uh, I definitely, uh, I think 
being able as on chapter 10 uh, subcommittee be able to review that review this but i also think it, it is it, it it is really good for uh, the entire human relations commission to be have an opportunity to to review and um possibly um provide provide feedback now one would say that uh we could potentially have an opportunity to we, we would defer to chapter 10 ordinance <clears throat> Um, as you had uh, directed or the director suggested, sorry, that's the word I'm looking for, but also um, uh, open up that opportunity so that if our other subcommittees want to meet and review um, that they, they could. And then we, when we come back at that special meeting, um, we could just have that larger discussion. So it's like more of a dialogue if there's any concerns. So I, 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 it's a longer process, but I did want to at least throw it out there to see if they're I just wasn't sure. Oh, thanks. <coughs> this is Commissioner Barnett. Um, Kalina, does that all sound good to you? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you for this very important issue. Um, I look forward to hopefully working with you um, as I assume the rest of the commission does. This is just such a worthwhile issue for us to consider. And even though uh, we don't have the most diverse city in their county in the state of Kansas, we can be the first and other people can look to us and say, hey, I wanna do that too. Um, so we can be, uh, we have an opportunity to be a leader in the state. Um, so, okay, uh, I, we will expect then to see the language. Chapter 10 will look over it. The Chapter 10 subcommittee will look over it. Um, and then uh, Kalina uh, can work with everyone to find a time for us to call a special meeting for a discussion and potentially a vote to send it to city commission. Thank you, Chairwoman Barnett, to all of the commissioners, uh, to Ms. Coleman for all of your help in making the arrangements and ensuring that I could participate virtually. Um, thank you for your consideration. And I hope to be able to contribute to your work to be the first and to be innovative and progressive on issues that impact not only Black Kansans, not only um, Indigenous and Native American communities, but uh, Kansans across your city. So thank you for your time and consideration. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you. Okay, moving on to regular agenda item number two, receive case update. Um, really quick, Chairperson Barnett, um, it's down on number six. There were some technical difficulties, so if you, the, it, it's attached. Okay. Okay. Um, is I do have a question. Did we decide that um, Beth would give us the update um, if we had questions or that we could contact her with questions or is or are we wanting to move this agenda item all the way down to six because she's not able to attend tonight or later? This is Commissioner yeah. Emerson. I do remember us making a decision to um, uh, if we had any questions, uh, she could report out, um, or we could reach out. And so I do remember that conversation. So. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Has everyone had an opportunity to look at the case update? Um, and are there any questions? 
Okay, seeing no questions, uh, we can move on to uh, agenda item number three, uh, Senate Bill 77 and approving letter of support. Um, I didn't see Senate Bill 77 attached. Um, Kalina, can I share my screen? Oh, no, I cannot. Really quickly, Chairperson Barnett, can we call our recess? I yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, I call a recess of the Human Relations Commission meeting February 23rd, 2023. Um, we will resume shortly. Uh, okay, so um, Senate Bill 77 is a uh, Senate bill. It is assigned to a uh, state and federal affairs committee. It would remove, um, it would allow a human relations commission, a local human relations commission like ours, to vote to remove restrictive covenants um, that are, um, I wish I could share my screen, I could show you the bill, but um, I just wanted this commission to review it um, we have a lot of outdated restrictive covenants that have to do with race, um, religion, um, sexual orientation. There are all kinds of restrictive covenants out there that have never been fixed. Um, and this bill would allow a city human relations commission to do that. Um, it hasn't moved yet. The, the consideration and review was just for um, our Human Relations Commission to look at the bill, discuss it, see if there was any support, and then as we do with literally everything else, go to the City Commission and say, would the City Commission consider sending it over to staff if the bill moves? to be able to write a letter of support, the city write a letter of support. Um, the reason it's on our agenda is because um, we wanted to show the city of Lawrence that um, this is something, whether we would or would not support this, it directly impacts the work we do as human relations commissioners. <laughs> and so, um, I know that we don't inform the cities of Lawrence's lobbying agenda, but it is something that I think that we should look at because it gives us um, the authority to do some work. Um, so that was all. Um, I don't know if I can share my screen now. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, let's see. One second, sorry. Let me pull up the right one. Okay. Um, here we go. So um, here's Senate Bill 77. Um, just authorizing a resolution to uh, correct or remove a restrictive covenant that violates the state statute on um, discrimination and 
uh, that's all this language is essentially saying that um, it could be something that could be sent around in a packet. Um, and I know that this isn't something that we traditionally do, but it just seems so impactful for what we're trying to do with housing and um, cleaning things up. I just thought I would see like what the procedure was um, and what the commission uh, felt like as far as just saying, hey, we are the Human Relations Commission that would um, do this and we support this bill. That's all. Hi, this is uh, Commissioner Emerson. Uh, thank you, Chair Barnett, uh, for being able to bring this up. Um, personally, you know, I think that um, city committees um, like ours um, have a, a civic responsibility um, to be paying attention to these things um, and letting 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 them know within you know our legal uh, parameters. So, um, I definitely encourage um, the review of this. I know it was something that uh, was a, been available for uh, about a week or so uh, since the agenda has went live. So I had personally had been able to take a look at it, but I'm not quite sure where our other commissioners are as it relates to this. So um, yes, I'm in support. Thank you. This Commissioner Barnett, um, any other comments or discussion? Um, I know that, that this would, um, is just simply, you know, saying we support this. Um, if, if it does get called for a hearing, there are so many steps and procedures that need to happen for this to get called first to a hearing and then for them to work the bill and everything. Um, but we don't, we don't have the ability to say if this bill gets worked for us, we don't have the ability to say, hey, let's, let's write a letter of support real quick. We can't do that. We have to request the city write the city commission instructs staff to write a letter of support for the city commission to approve and and so perhaps this isn't even practical, <laughs> but I just I just wanted to bring it up and see if there was any discussion um, on this. Um, Commissioner um, Bonnet, this is Commissioner Dikov. I was just curious. Um, so if you didn't do this at all, um, would that? Um, affect anything that we talked about today about the bill, the, the new bill that we're intro, you know, that we're um, going to be talking about soon and voting on? Well, if we don't make any of those changes, will that, will that affect anything? Uh, this is Commissioner Barnett. No, this is completely separate. This just has to do with um, whether or not we would support a state bill that was introduced about um, allowing our commission to uh, remove or file for a recording of a restrictive covenant. Um, so it's it's completely separate. And the the only thing that that us doing here this evening or in the future on bills would do is simply bring it to the attention of the city commission and see if they or staff would support moving forward with um, some kind of letter of support. That's all. We have like no power or no 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 actual power. We can't really do anything 
Um, but the most we could do is like Commissioner Emerson said, pay attention and, and um, know that these bills are coming to and they could affect our work and have a voice in that. Um, so that's that, that was really it. And, and this is Commissioner Emerson. I hate to, uh, well, I don't hate, I just, um, I'll just say, because I've been really um, pay, trying to pay attention as much as possible with the session. It's it's fast, I tell you. Christina, I have no, oh, sorry, uh, Commissioner Hasbro, I have, I appreciate you being there. Um, anyway, so um, one of the things I, I just think about, um, it it is so vital to know just what, we're even talking the talking about because once it gets to that committee uh, committee hearing house it goes so fast it's hard to catch up so you have to be able to be ready uh, and work through your processes um, and we're we we get to recommend um, that's what we we get to do um, as we are uh, in communications with our city commissioners so yeah. This is Commissioner Barnett. I would just say um, if no one has any other comments or questions about this, my request would be, Kalina, can staff please uh, find out what the process is for the Human Relations Commission to voice support for a state bill? What does the city, what does city staff want us to do? What action should be taken? Um, if we would like to request the city commission consider support. I know that there's an agenda that comes out, you know, we have a, the city of Lawrence has a legislative agenda. Um, if this is germane to the city's legislative agenda, um, I just would like to know what the process and procedure is. So less discussion about this bill perhaps this evening and more discussion about um, what does it, how would we do it in the future, I suppose? Okay, we'll get, I'll get that answer for you after this meeting. This is Commissioner Barnett, thank you so much. Okay, committee updates. Um, I'll give the chapter 10 update, um, Commissioner Seiden and Commissioner Emerson. Um, worked so hard with me along with the other housing group and uh, groups um, for chapter 10. Um, I don't know if you all have been uh, paying attention, but uh, the ordinance that was sent to uh, city commission was worked in modified um, pretty significantly, um, but we did get to add to our protected classes in the city of Lawrence source of income, domestic violence survivor, and immigration status. Um, so the Human Relations Commission Chapter 10 draft that was sent, we got those added to Chapter 10. The City Commission voted on that um, last Tuesday, um, Valentine's Day. Um, so congratulations to Human Relations Commission. Um, big, big step. Um, for the city of Lawrence, the effective date is June of 2023, and um, this will flow nicely into program development um, and outreach and then cross-cutting work because between now and June 1st, there's going to be a public education campaign um, the city is working on. And um, 
that will involve program development. There will be a lot of opportunities for the other committees to now step in and do um, that subcommittee work to help educate our community, come up with educational materials, um, and um, just a lot of opportunities. So I'm excited to report that. Um, we do need to address, um, still, there was no, you know, the city commission had a huge task and so did the legal department of working on the housing section. And um, I think that the other language changes that we had uh, were just, you know, it, it just was so comprehensive and robust. <clears throat> like we really had to focus on um, just the housing portion. So just so this uh, commission knows, the name did not change. It was never considered. Um, allowing an investigator to be a contractor was not considered and adding a youth liaison was not considered. Um, again, that was just to narrow down the um, scope of the ordinance. I think that those things are all still in play. As this commission knows, there is a committee on committees, um, a committee on advisory boards and committees that meets and um, is examining all 40 plus of the advisory boards and commissions of the city of Lawrence to try and narrow um, things down a little bit and um, and really focus and refocus the scope of what each commission does. I think that we do have an opportunity to make those changes once that committee on advisory boards and commissions meets and gives their recommendations to the city commission. I think at that point, um, we might be able to re-up the idea of changing our name, um, adding a youth liaison, and then making a few small changes to chapter 10. Um, but that is the chapter 10 update. Um, Commissioner Seiden, Commissioner Emerson, do you have anything else to add um, before we move on to program? So uh, uh, just uh, real quickly, when it comes to uh, when will that advisory board like um, team be meeting or be, do we know, estimate when they plan on making their Uh, this is Commissioner Barnett. Um, I actually happen to be on that committee, um, and they have a, a very narrow window of four months. Uh, we are one month in to the four-month window to get something to the city commission or for to get something to city staff, for city staff to then prepare and get to city commission. Um, I would say if... Um, I would say by the end of... Sorry... Um, by the end of 2023, I think that we would hope to have, um, the, the city commission would hope to have a recommendation. I can't say how soon city staff could turn anything around. Um, I just know that that committee is supposed to be done in four months. Uh, thank you. I was just, uh, this is, uh, Commissioner Emerson, I was just thinking about um, uh, if we were updating uh, the definition of race, that that being able to be pushed in there around that same time. So it's not just like one thing. So I don't know. This is Commissioner Barnett. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. To me, um, and obviously 
I'm just saying my opinion on this. Um, the Crown Act in amending the definition of race uh, should certainly happen before that. Um, I know that it's no one wants to piecemeal a chapter of our city code um, month after month. And of course, that would all it, entirely be up to the legal department and the city commission's wishes. Um, but I would be almost adamant that we make a decision. And if we are all in favor that we would push out um, the Crown Act language for immediate consideration and not wait around to make the other changes to the name and adding our youth liaison, et cetera. Just my opinion. Um, any other comments on chapter 10 before we move on? <laughs> okay, uh, moving on to program development. Program development subcommittee. Um, I know uh, Commissioner Lay had to move, go, scoot. Um, Commissioner Haswood? Yes. Uh, this is Commissioner Haswood. Um, we uh, have not uh, met previously, um, so there's not much to update, um, but we're continuing to find a meeting time. This is Commissioner Barnett, thank you so much. Um, Cross-cutting work subcommittee? I'm going to defer to Commissioner DeCog because she did attend a historical markers committee, two meetings, I believe. And so um, that would be great if she could share that with us. Okay, okay. so this is um, Commissioner DeCog. And um, I attended um, two uh, meetings that was held by the historical marker committee. Um, chaired by Lynn Zollner. Um, the first um, meeting was about uh, discussing city markers that needed to be added um, for cis uh, vinegar. Um, and it was basically um, decided that a marker, there was already a marker that had been created uh, by an organization that had actually given it to the city and it created the markers. Um, the city was was holding the markers um, until a location could be found, as far as I could understand. Um, what was decided at that meeting was that they were trying to decide where the markers should be placed because it was more than one marker, um, so that it would be something that would be able to be seen by everybody and not, you know, glibbed over, um, or that it would be in a place where it was too busy. They didn't want it to be, because it was, uh, they were talking about it being close to where, um, you know, during the summer, um, you know, people would go to the pool, basically, um, and the marker would be close by the pool. Um, but it was decided finally that they would move the markers to be closest to where the old courthouse location was going to be. Um, and so um, I guess that's that was what um, 
was decided. Was there anything else, Kalina? Because Kalina was also part of that that uh, meeting. Was there uh, anything you wanted to do? No, I think you got it. Uh, just that um, they wanted to to kind of like have it historically relate to you know, the history of it. So yes. not just selecting a location just because, or just because it seemed like it get, you know, foot, um, you know, people to come visit, but trying to actually have it relate. And so that was a pretty big deal about that. So I think yeah. that was why that decision ended up being made. Yeah, it was all about basically trying to make sure that it was closest to where, um, you know, all the events had happened. Um, and also, um it had to be historically related. Um, Correct. Because they weren't just going to put the marker anywhere that, um, that where, you know, there was a space or something. It had to be important um, historical marker. Um, then the second meeting had to do with Tiger Dowdow and Nick Rice. Um, and um, I don't know if you know this, but in the in 1970, that was when um, uh, Tiger Dowdow was killed in a, um, um, East Lawrence, um, and um, it uh, the location marker will be near to where um, Tiger Dowdle was killed. Um, his story will be placed on on the marker so that we can understand that anybody who sees the marker would be able to understand what it is about. Um, and it it is going to be near to the alley where he was killed in East Lawrence. Um, it would be between Rhode Island. Street and New Hampshire streets, um, Ninth and, and New Hampshire and, and Rhode Island. So um, it was also decided that there would be an upright marker as opposed to anything else, so that it would be easy um, for people to see rather than they were talking about putting it on the, the ground, uh, which does not make any sense because people would just be walking over it. Um, so it was best, we decided that uh, an up. Um, an upright marker would make the most sense so that people would be able to read it and understand the history and be able to, um, you know, go to the historical, the, you know, to the society or the museum to go and see anything further about the people that we uh, talked about in the markers. Um, and that's my report, basically. Um, did anyone have any questions about anything? Hi, this is if you would like information about any of the people that we're talking about here, um, I can easily send that information to you um, if you're interested anymore in any of those markers. Uh, Commissioner uh, Thikog, I this is Commissioner Emerson. I, I did have a question. Um, my question was, uh, do we know when the markers are going to take place? Um, um, uh, is it... Uh, in this next six months, or I wasn't sure if they talked about that at all? Um, they did not, and it would need to be approved by the city. I know the first lot of markers, there are two markers that are already, um, that the city already has. Um, and so they would just need to make a decision about placing them. So the work will need to be done because those markers are made. But the, the, um, the Tiger Dada one, they would need to actually create those markers um, because they're, they're not made as of yet. Um, I think a decision was made as to what kind of marker we would have, 
but um, those are not that is not available as yet. The the tower the tiger dowdle and the Nikrais one was not available yet. Um, so it will be up to the city to decide and make a decision about those markers because um, money would need to be spent. Um, I believe um, that there was questions about whether um, our committee had some money in the budget for the tiger dowdle um, because the other one had already been made. This is Commissioner Emerson. That's a good question. Um, do, do we? Um, I thought I had heard that we did, but um, Commissioner Bonnet, I don't know um, if you know if we still have that budget, because I do remember seeing some money that was in there at the very beginning when I started. This is Commissioner Burnett. I would need to defer to Kalina and staff to let us know what our budget is, um, what the if we have anything specifically reserved or if we have restricted funds um, and uh, what we have available. Has anyone formally requested human relations funds be spent on this? Not that I know of, but I think in the past, um, Commissioner, um, it was there was money that was being used for, for, the, for this purpose, for the markers. And so that's why Lynn Zollner was supposed to contact you to find out more information. Um, I'm hoping she'll be able to contact you and then connect with Kalina on that. This is Commissioner Burnett, that sounds good. Thank you. And Kalina, you'll um, help us understand what we have available. Yes, this is Kalina speaking. Yes, I will, I will get that all worked out. Thank you. Okay, um, we are at the end of our agenda um, for this evening. Uh, commission items. Do any commissioners have or discuss? Okay, seeing none. Um, I just have one commission item. Uh, we are nearing the end of Black History Month, and I just want to open up space to um, mention that. I want to honor our Black leaders of um, in our country, um, as well as in the state of Kansas, and specifically in the city of Lawrence. And, um, you know, having Michelle Watley's presentation this evening toward the end of Black History Month, uh, we have a duty to protect our Black community members. Um, we have a statement. Uh, we all universally agreed and posted Black Lives Matter. I think that everything Michelle presented this evening uh, is in conjunction with that. And um, I'm excited to see if we can advance this issue, um, but just keeping in mind that we are still in Black History Month and uh, that that has germane to the work that we do with the Human Relations Commission every day. Um, that's all I have. If no other commissioners have anything, I will open it up for public comment. Kalina, do we have anyone there for public comment in person? This is Kalina speaking. 
No, we do not. Are you sure? Because I think there were a lot of people who um, mentioned that they were going to come. So, okay, no, no one and no one online. We are all good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to be sure. Um, all right. Uh, if there are no other items, do I have a, Helena, I'm sorry, real quick. When is our next meeting? Let me get that and pull that up for you. So our next um, Human Relations Commission meetings for the remainder of the year, um, this is February 23rd, so that's the first. The next one is June 22nd, 2023. Then the one after that is August 24th, 2023. And the final one for the year would be October 26th, 2023. This is Commissioner Barnett. Helena, thank you so much. <laughs> um, okay, do I have a motion to adjourn the meeting this evening? This is Commissioner's side, and I would move to adjourn. Do I have this a second? Emerson, I second. <laughs> this is Commissioner Barnett. I'll take a roll call. Uh, Commissioner Seiden. Aye. Commissioner Decog. Aye. Commissioner Sheldon Sherman. Aye. Uh, Commissioner Gipp. Aye. Commissioner Emerson. Aye, Madam Chairman. Thank you all. Uh, this meeting is adjourned. We'll see you in uh, June and uh, hopefully before. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.